Lord, you have the words of everlasting life. Just moments ago, we prayed together those words. But let's consider that what we're really and truly saying when we say that. We're declaring that we wholeheartedly believe that God has spoken to us, that he has revealed himself, that he doesn't hide in the dark but speaks in the light, and his words lead us to everlasting life. They lead us, the people who heed them, who meditate on them, who place them on our minds, our hearts, and our lips. And what are these words of eternal life than the sacred scriptures? What are these words of eternal life from the very letters of love from the Father? What are these words of everlasting life than the sweet commandments of God? Sweeter than honey from the comb. Listen to how the book of Exodus begins the list of what we know to be the Ten Commandments. This is what it says. Then God spoke all these words. Lord, you have the words of everlasting life. Throughout our whole life and our Christian journey, but especially in the season of Lent, we're being invited to increase our love of God. But let's get to the basics. Let's ask, what does it mean to love God? If we're called to increase our love, right? What are some basic ways that we can love God? As God delivered the Ten Commandments, they were presented on two tablets. The first tablet contained the first three commandments, and the second tablet contained the other seven. And the layout itself provides us with something important to consider. Jesus, in the Gospels, tells us that there's two great commandments. To love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And the second one, is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so it's precisely in the two tablets of the commandments that these are summed up. The first tablet dealing, the first three dealing all with the love of God. And the second tablet, the other seven, dealing concerning itself with the love of our neighbor. Love of God, love of neighbor. So we're asking the question tonight, what does it mean to love God? And you see, already in the first three commandments, God, in a sense, gives us the tools by which to love him. He gives to us, he reveals us precisely how to love him. He shows us the way. But these first three commandments are just the basics. So as we go through them, let's ask ourselves, how are we doing with the basics of loving God? In the reading, we were given the short form, but I like to do is kind of expand it and give us exactly what the whole Scripture tells us as it lists the Ten Commandments. So bear with me. The first commandment. I, the Lord, am your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that place of slavery. You shall not have other gods besides me. Usually we stop there. But it continues. You shall not carve idols for yourselves in the shape of anything in the sky above, or on earth below, or in the waters beneath the earth. You shall not bow down before them or worship them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, inflicting punishment for their father's wickedness on the children of those who hate me. 
down to the third and fourth generation, but bestowing mercy down to the thousandth generation on the children of those who love me and keep my commandments. So from the get-go, what does it mean to love God? It means to worship Him and Him alone. It may seem obvious, but it means to make God the sole priority in our life, the top priority. No questions. It means that Jesus is not, and God is not just a part of our life. He is the center of our life. Everything revolves around what he's revealed to us, what he has spoken to us, and what he's asked of us. Loving God means to uncompromisingly proclaim that God is our God. And Jesus Christ is our Savior, He's our Redeemer, He's our friend, and He's our Lord. Not to be ashamed of that. Not to be scared that people know that we are disciples of Jesus Christ. In the words of St. John, for the love of God is this, that we obey His commandments. Lord, you have the words of eternal life. The second commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave unpunished the one who takes his name in vain. In other words, the Lord's name, my brothers and sisters, is holy. It's set apart than all other names. It is a name above all other names. And the name of Jesus, Scripture tells us, every knee will bow. Every knee will bow. And so this second commandment, what it's doing, it's trying to make holy and protect the sanctity of God's name. Let me ask you a question. If I went and took a host from that ciborium over there before it was consecrated and threw it on the ground, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But after the host was sanctified, after it was made holy, after it was consecrated by the very words of consecration, what if I took it and threw it on the ground? The shock that would come to all of our faces. It's the same with the name of God. It's so holy. It's so precious. And to use it as profanity, as a curse, is to basically throw it on the ground and degrade it. You know, I find this interesting. We ban the name of God in radio, television, media, so as not to offend anyone. Yet how appropriate it is to use it as a curse or profanity in a TV show. Doesn't matter if it's used like that. And how maybe slow we are to say something about it. How we don't even bat an eye when GD is said over the television or a radio or a song. Or when someone uses Jesus Christ but in not an appropriate way, we do nothing about it. The name of God is holy. And so to love God means to reverence it in our speech and to stand up for it when it's used inappropriately. Because why? Because his name reveals to us who he is. Jesus means God saves. And God revealed his name. He says, I am who am. 
And so his name reveals who he is. And who he is is the reason that we love him, because God is love. We must protect his holy name. Lord, you have the words of everlasting life. The third commandment, the last commandment of the love of God. Remember to, to, to keep holy the Sabbath day. We usually stop there, but let's continue. Six days you may labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. No work may be done then either by your son or your daughter or your male or female slave or your beast or by the alien who lives with you. In six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord has blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The third commandment on Sabbath worship is about, let's say, the sanctity of time. We think that time is just something secular, something only that has meaning in this world and for this world. By saying that this particular day, the Lord's day, the Sabbath day, is holy, God is teaching you and me that there is a sanctity to even our time. The time itself is holy. It's set apart. And it's set apart for two things. For worship and for rest. So, to treat that seventh day, the Sabbath day we call Sunday, as just another ordinary day, what we're doing is like throwing it on the ground and degrading it. So how do we love God? What's the third way we love God? We give God our whole Sunday, not just half of it, not just one hour of it. Well, 45 minutes, hopefully his mass only in 45 minutes. But the whole day, we worship, we spend time with family, and we cease from doing work. Now, if God can create the whole world in six days, our work can be limited to six days too. But it see, something deeper is going on. Because guess what? God wants to give us a little taste of eternity. Because in eternity, we'll rest with him forever. And so in a sense, he's training us so that we will enjoy heaven to its full capacity. And more importantly, when we rest on Sunday, we declare that we're not driven by worldly pursuits. But by giving God our whole first day of the week, we're saying that he is the one who drives us throughout the week. Lord, you have the words of eternal life. So how do we love God? We worship him alone. We make his name holy. And we give him our whole Sunday. Three basic ways to love God. How are we doing with those? How are we doing with the basics? I like to end with this. I know this homily is going a little long. I'm getting tired. It's in the evening. The sun's going down. But I like to allow us to consider one last important thing. I believe the psalm today that we had read for us kind of clues us in on three rewards that we are given when we give God our, even just the basics. We heard these words in the responsorial psalm. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. 
The decree of the Lord is trustworthy, giving wisdom to the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The command of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eye. So what are the four rewards? A refreshment of the soul, wisdom, joy of the heart, and enlightening of the eyes of our mind. Are you saddened and sorrowed? Are you feeling wearied and burdensome? You feel like you don't understand the mysteries of God? You see, the rewards of loving God according to the way he has given to us gives us a refreshment of our souls that we don't enter Monday like, oh my gosh, it's a Monday. But we enter Monday like, I can't wait to set this world on fire with God's love. And we don't go into Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday like sorrowful people, but we go into it with a joy of life that he has given to us. So how are we doing with loving God? This Lent, maybe we can go back to the basics. Go back to the basics and let Jesus lead us to those rewards that come to loving God. And may our fidelity to God's commandments of love only echo what our hearts and minds believe. Lord, you have the words of everlasting life.